This week's episode is brought to you by the new film, The Wrath of Becky. Two years after escaping an attack on her family, Becky is attempting to rebuild her life. But when her home is broken into by a group called the Noblemen, they take her beloved dog, Diego. She returns to her old ways to protect herself. Literally a bloody good time, says the Austin Chronicle. The Wrath of Becky, starring Lulu Wilson and Sean William Scott, is only in theaters May 26th. And welcome to Colors of the Dark. I'm your co-host, Rebecca McKendry, and with me is Elric Kane. How's it going, sir? Hello, Mrs. Police. It is good to see you today. Mrs. Mrs. Police. <laughs> I know. I have a plan, Miss Police. Oh, so we're just jumping right into that, <laughs> huh? So there we are. Um, so Elric and I decided we would both watch The Snowman this week. The and new this film. Is one- the brand new film, The Snowman. So this is some some shady Netflix things type stuff. This has happened to me a couple of times where it pops up on Netflix and it's like Netflix exclusive premiere, brand new film, Snowman. And then as soon as I'm like Googling it, I'm like, this has been out for like five years. This is just new to Netflix. Um, But the way that they branded in their marketing and it makes it seem like it's a brand new film. But that said, I had never even heard of this thing. So oh, crazy. You, know, you can do that. I didn't okay. know this movie existed. So in the because Amazon's the one that does this in a way that feels corrupt because they actually write they'll write the year 2023 next to a like it'll be like the battery. I actually start for the battery. The battery is in the new release right now of Amazon saying 2023. And it pissed me off because I'm like, no, it's I wow. mean in, in Jeremy's case, I hope he makes some money. Cool. But in general, it's like, no, fuck you, because that's bullshit. These are old movies. And the snowman, I think what I don't know how Netflix does it, but I don't think they lie like that, but they do put it at the front of the thing as a new thing. And then they go to number one. So this movie was number one for a couple of weeks. Okay. So my history of the snowman, real quick, is uh when I read this book, if I had seen this movie when it came out, I would have been the first person to throw pies at it because this is my favorite novel of like that. That is the most 1940s way to review a movie. Oh, I throw a pie at you. Banana custard cream pies are coming. Tomatoes. Uh, but like, no, when I read it, this book rips. It's one of the fucking best, like little, like, like just Joe Nesbo writes this awesome character called Harry Hole. I think I've read four of these books at, at, all back when they came out and they are really exciting like procedural he's a great character he's all messed up and alcoholic and all the all those details that you can he's all messed it's up. all crazy anyway all these great details but what's crazier is that like this this might be the ultimate of how the fuck did this happen kind of thing because perfect director they so so if i had this if i was the studio exec and i had this book at the time and you had told me i'm gonna get the director of let the right one in the foreign one yep and uh, tinker taylor soldier yeah Tomas Alfredson. Yeah, two perfect movies. He's made two yeah. movies before this. They're basically perfect. Uh, I'm going to give you Michael Fassbender who, for Harry Hall. I'm like, damn right. We're going to have a flashback a cop storyline with Val Kilmer. I'd be like, sure. Rebecca. J.K. Simmons. Oh, yeah, that's right. J.K. Simmons. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson, who's like awesome from what's the Shining, uh, Mike Flanagan's second mm-hmm. Shining thing. Oh, um, he's the girl uh, with the hat. Cat. Doctor. Doctor, Doctor Sleep. Sleep. Yeah, she's the one with the hat uh, who's fantastic. And then Charlotte Gainsbourg. It's like the perfect cast. Uh, the perfect uh, writer. It's got my favorite cinematographer working right now, uh, shooting this movie. I think it's been at DB. Uh, and then you, and then at the time, what happened? So I read the book. I was so excited about the movie. And before I could see it, the reviews started coming, and they were the pretty much the worst I've ever seen, like in a long time. Like they were horrendous reviews, and I was just like, ah. Oh. And so I didn't 
like at the moment want to run the book. So I forgot to see it. I've had many friends tell me they hated it over the years. And then I knew you had seen it and I'd penciled it in wanting to see it. Cause I was like, you know what? Now I'm kind of curious. So I expect we had kind of different feelings about this, given like where our histories were like for you, it's a fresh new thing. And for me, I'm like, fresh okay. new thing. so you'd go first on the actual film. So I watched this, not even realizing it was from 2017. I watched this going, holy shit. The guy who made let the right one in made a movie for Netflix. Yeah. This is going to be great. I'm so excited. Like I watched this the day that it went up and this is like an event where I was like, I'm sitting on the couch. Sometimes <laughs> I'll watch movies on my laptop in bed. No, this one was a couch yeah, movie really. for me. This is like a big deal. I pop popcorn. <laughs> and that is where the whimsy stopped. <laughs> um, so, you know, I was in for parts of it. The whole setup, we got this, the cold open. Where in the cold open is just cruel, where we see this mom and this little boy living in this cabin and it's snowy. And all of a sudden this like guy pulls up and he's drunk and he goes inside and he rapes the woman. Well, he doesn't and... rape her. He, he's like in a relationship with her, but it's yeah, kind of an but it was not yeah. it was not, not happy sex. No, no, it was it's, a it's very a bad abusive deal, relationship. Yeah. And then he walks away and he's like, I'm never fucking coming back. And she gets in the car with the kid and goes chasing after him. And somehow she ends up in the middle of a lake, kind of catatonic, and you get the idea that she's killing herself. Well, and she, like yeah, the she sun, does. yeah, and and you know she crashes down into the lake. The sun is able to run away, and then that's our cold open. And, and so it's this really the kid realizes when he's watching the guy. Has to, they say something to the effect of, uh, "Does he, he still doesn't know he's mine?" Right. So it's like so. Yeah. So this abusive man who's a cop. Uh, in a town was also his father the whole time, but just but a secret affair because he had another family. And before he left, he made a snowman. Yes. That's the he was building a snowman a when snowman. this trauma happened. So this is the yes, you can do the scene as a cold open, but like Argento would save this for like towards the end of a movie where it might have yeah. more power, like revealing the killer's versus opening with it was very off putting. Oh yeah, and so then we fast forward, and I guess you're supposed to forget about the cold open. It was like a weird, uncomfortable, like this is just cruel cold open. And then we fast forward, and we're now with a detective who is just recently divorced with a very severe drinking problem. And um, his name's Harry Hole. Very important. His name, Harry Hole. (laughs) He gets a new female partner, and his new female partner won't play by the rules. And they're investigating a series of killings in their small town, all centered around snowmen. Um, All moms of children, or soon to be moms, they're all women who have disappeared or been missing body parts. And but yeah, because some of them, it's like there's a whole prostitution angle involved. So there's prostitution. And honestly, this is where I started to really check out because it just got slow. And for me, the score didn't help. The score was just slower. Like the movie was here and then the score was just on a completely different pace altogether. Um, So that's kind of the setup of it. You know, I guess there's twists along the way because it's got different elements of the town that gets involved. Like I mentioned, there is a prostitution ring that comes into play at points. Plus you've got this serial killer working in the background. You realize that some of the characters at the police station may have connections and that's where you know I'll stop but it just was a little dry for me but you loved this book did you love the yeah, movie yeah i love these books and the characters also i forgot to mention one other thing the editor 
is Scorsese's editor, Thelma Shoemaker. Oh shit! So you're like, what? How does this movie not work? I have the answer. I had, I, I, I figured out like there's an actual answer to why this is such a uh, messy thing. Okay, here's the surprise. And it was universal, by the way. I mean, yeah. like it had a budget. It's heavily memed these days. So if you go even before you would have heard of this movie, it was already there's a shot of him just looking kind of deflated, and the and the snowman's kind of melting, and he kind of looks sad, and people use it all the time. I guess. Uh, here's the surprise. <laughs> Because I did not watch it at the time, I really enjoyed myself watching this movie. And I'll tell you what, I think my expectations, like had I seen it at the time, I would have loathed it. But it, this is a lot less about, is this a good movie? But it was an entertaining film to watch because movies aren't being made like this anymore. Like like big serial killer movies. Like everyone in this yeah. is A-list. This is A-list talent, A-list director, A-list actors, A-list look. But the movie's a total like narrative mess, like for the most part. Like you can still follow in the flashback stuff's wild because it's just it's like a different movie. Like it's like the yeah. Balcomer storyline is like you're watching a whole different movie going on. But like I found myself sitting there going, preferring this in a weird way. And it's not an endorsement. I was very worried a couple of days ago when I gave it three stars, knowing that most people give it like one. I was like, if I die right now, I got hit by a car, my last movie's gonna be like championing snowman, and I'll be like the guy. It was, which is not my intention i'm not trying to be anti but i did find myself very entertained so there's a part of me that's like oh i do kind of miss that you can make these big budgets here because i think that there was a denzel one in this category a couple of years ago on hbo max it didn't quite work it's a serial killer one with him the guy just won the oscar for queen and jared leto yeah. as the killer and it doesn't it was, quite work either like at a solution problem one I've talked about, I think on Killer POV, it was probably the last time I mentioned it, but it was one called Anamorph, and it was Willem Dafoe in a right. serial killer movie. That. And I loved that one. And it was from around the same time period. I want to say that was probably like 2010. But we definitely, we don't, you are right. We don't get these kind of noir-y, heavily flawed, um, kind of character-driven Serial killer. I mean, they're Angel Heart. I yeah, mean, but like big budget of... ones with big actors. Like yeah. now this would be, these these get made all the time, but they're like shitty, like, you know, tiny things that you end up seeing so, that you wouldn't even watch now. You'd just be like, eh, somebody watches it. You're not going to watch it. So so on that level, I don't want to, like, I'm shocked that I actually had a good time, but I also am very aware of its problems. I did look it up. Uh, Alfredson, basically what happened on the production is by the time there was, they had to move from like at one point from London to like, you know, Sweden or where, wherever it was shot. And to do so, they had all these delays. And in the end, they couldn't shoot 15% of the script couldn't be shot. So he said, wow. and he said, while they're shooting, that felt okay. And he said, when we got into the editing room, we were just screwed. It was like nothing. We we were literally missing the two, the stuff that would make the movie work because of well, budgetary plus, reasons. I'm like, ouch, you know. Plus, you have to assume if a script is like 90 pages and you can't shoot 15 percent of it, then you're dropping at least like 12 pages there. But that means you still have to deliver at least a 90 minute movie. So you're now taking what is effectively an 82 minute movie and having to stretch well, it because into it was a book. Minutes. I bet you it was like, like 120 feels- pages. It probably was like longer, mm. but you, you, it's still a similar problem. You're right, because you're still filling holes with shit that doesn't really work or you're. Yeah. So, like we've all you know anyone who's shot anything has had to is is not shooting everything you you miss something yeah, yeah you're gonna miss you out always... on shooting something but yeah this in this case 15 yeah. percent of a script that's like very narrative that's the difference like i've never made something where it's like everything is a plot point and a detect mm-hmm. and if you take anything out so anyway this is the longest anyone's ever given on air to the snowman probably unless there's an episode of somebody like how the fuck did this get made kind of thing but uh, we're split on it, but I will say the book is fantastic. And any of the Harry Hall books, the Leopard's a really good one too. Really fun character. 
so much better details like Michael Fassbender just felt kind of like one note in this movie even though he's a really mm-hmm. good actor it just they didn't you know give it it didn't work on screen uh, you know fun. it bums me out so much that we are not getting more movies like yeah. this because this is something I enjoy this subgenre so much I mean it's very kind of Silence of the Lambsy but you know not this movie this movie is not Silence of yeah. the Lambs but the whole kind of subgenre of the flawed detective serial killer ones i love them like so night moves is a good one much With night Lambert. moves i always think you know angel heart is going to be my yeah, go-to best, every yeah. single time but we just had a, a number of those that i remember during the mid-2000s that went away and even the graphic novel torso yeah is one that, that everybody kept saying that torso because it's like this really dark noir-y detective serial killer and I remember everybody being like, oh, my God, so-and-so has torso. Nope, now it's so-and-so. And it was like one of those that was definitely destined to get made because everybody was fighting for the option and it never got made. And it's such a good story. Yeah, I think so. Fincher was the other person they were talking about at the time. Oh, did Fincher have torso? I think, that I think it was. total whenever. sense. That tracks. And, but the good news is Michael Fassbender has had a long period uh, off acting for the last few years. And he is back at the end of this year in a David Fincher thriller uh, where he's playing a hitman. So I'm very excited about that movie because those two will be great together. So uh, anyway, that's our snowman attention. So it's on Netflix. It was number one for a while. Good for, you know. And I will say the one thing, even though I'm against the new date thing where they change, I'm also happy that movies like right now it's Denzel Washington and Ryan Reynolds' movie Safe House is on Amazon number one and Amazon. That's a movie that tanked like eight years ago. Like it's cool that movies that actually didn't do well on first release are suddenly becoming number one streaming movies. It's like, that's interesting. I mean, it's like a second I, life, you know? And what, and I know you and I were discussing this on Twitter that when I log into my Amazon and I go to horror and then I go to new releases, yeah. it does not feed me new releases. It feeds me what's new to the platform. Yeah which is always frustrating in the fact that it makes it hard for me to find new indie films that might not be getting the cred. Like it's cool that you now have the conjuring there, but I'm always more interested in the, the smaller indie stuff that might not be getting the, the platform. I assume they're also the paying to there. be, um, you obviously pay more to get at Do the you? front. It has to be because it's never in the old days, we used to have an yeah, alphabetical it's... search. Now it's always, yeah. I think it even says Amazon featured. Or something, and it's like brand new releases that probably have money, but you're like indie ones get further and further to the right. But then again, there have been moments where I've logged in, gone to horror, new releases, and basket cases there. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's watch basket case yeah. again. So it does do its job of pushing me to watch what's there. But that said, I really want some type of way on Amazon to search for some of the smaller stuff, like the, the eyes one that you watched last week Uh or the murder podcast or things like that. I wish there was a way that I could find those more readily available. Jeff Bezos is a head and lauder Stan. Whoop. All right. (laughs) (laughs) He's totally hand and lauder. He just loves that head and lauder. Head and lauder's Lauders so corporate. (laughs) He's he's totally gone. He's got all three of the basket cases like hanging up in his bedroom. You know it, you know, he sleeps under basket case. Um, but we watched another film that uh, we shared, right? Did you watch The Pope's Exorcist? Oh, yeah, Exorcist? I saw The Pope's Exorcist, yeah. Um, I just watched this one oh, last good. night. So I just want to say one thing about this up front before we get in. Uh, well, the first most important was when I was telling everyone that Franco Nero played the Pope. That was very important to me because he's played the wildest characters in the history of cinema. And here he is playing a Pope, which is hilarious. But even crazier. I did not even realize yes it's him. Django it's like every time you see oh him it's God. it's the visitor it's G- space Jesus it's shark hunter I mean I posted all the photos of him at one point like on Twitter being like this is the Pope this is the reason enough for me to see this movie um but no the one thing I say about this movie now is it's the only movie on the planet that would cast Alex Esso 
and she's the only character who doesn't get possessed. Like, who is casting Alex Esso not to get possessed? Like, she is the best actress probably on the planet to get possessed. And here she is, like, playing straight, basically. And I was like, oh, that's a choice. Uh, good for her, though, because I love her on, on movies. I was <laughs> amused that she, like, looks like she's, like, 25. Know, she but looks yet, so young. She has, like, a college student for a daughter yeah. in it. But fine. Letting that go. Let, yeah, yeah, letting yeah. that go. Um, so, yeah. Pope's Exorcist. You know, I went in. Um, I will say I was one of the people who was quite shocked to see how well this did mm, theatrically. Yeah. This opened the same weekend as Renfield. And whereas I had kind of thought Renfield is going to slay. What is Pope's Exorcist? You know, Pope's Exorcist actually did really well in the theaters and Renfield kind of struggled. So because it is straight horror. Yeah, interest. it's straight horror. Yeah, so. I disagree with that, but we'll get yeah. there. Um, so it is more horror than, I mean, Renfield is obviously kind of a strong genre blend. So this did better than I thought it would. And I have to say, it's also better than I thought it would be. Well, Russell um, Crowe really, really adds a level great. to it. Like, like you want to make it a joke. Oh, Russell Crowe's. And then you watch and he's like, he's really charming. He's good yeah, in his it. His Italian's yeah. really strong. Like his accent's great. Right. He's, he's, he's just fun to watch. So you're like, okay, that part is the strength of the film. And I think he's playing I, Gabriel Amworth, who I believe was the guy in that Friedkin documentary about exorcism. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like yeah. playing that. Um, but there's, I'm curious, curious how you felt about the kid voice thing when the okay. kid's possessed from frame one and already has the I'm a demon voice from the so, whole thing. I'll start with um, kind of our setup mm-hmm. for this. I'll just give you the log line is this is um, Russell Crowe plays an exorcist and in 90% of his cases when he's called in by people that are like my son's possessed by the demon he believes it's a psychological issue and he refers them to doctors and psychologists so he's like the altruistic exorcist the other 10% are ones where he truly believes that the devil might be at work here and he's a very kind of religious passionate man um he's also very funny is kind of a thing like he's very much like a realist with everything that's going on and you know very much kind of a realist about the battles that he's fighting and everything okay so then that's happening in rome somewhere else in italy alec esso has inherited this massive what is it like a monastery or a church giant cathedral looking thing her family has inherited so she and her two kids have moved to italy to start renovations on this while they're cracking open tombs and doing renovations on this massive church it's huge uh, they something happens and something gets released and the little boy gets possessed and that is not like a twist because it happens in the first 10 minutes and as Elric mentioned immediately from the moment he is even remotely kind of infected with something his voice sounds like he's singing death metal there's no build and, at all right like yeah, an exorcist you get the build of the possession itself this is like yeah whole, hardcore from start yes. one which there is no like oh you yeah. feeling under the weather today bud huh it was weird you said that thing about killing me no <laughs> there was none in hell already <laughs> it just went there yeah, like 10 minutes away, in yeah. like kid is just pure satan and then we are there and um they try doctors doctors can't tell him anything so the church brings in russell crowe and that i gotta say there is not much in this that i would have thought is groundbreaking in any capacity that's what i kind of walked away with is it is a very standard exorcism movie there's nothing that groundbreaking it does exactly what you think it's gonna do vomiting on people got it you know kind of body parts turning around riding on skin from the inside of the body 
it's it plays all the greatest exorcism yeah. hits here, but somehow it's still fun and watchable. And for me, it's the Russell Crowe character because the setup is almost like a buddy cop movie where it's Russell Crowe as the realist hardened old exorcist who's been doing this forever and has seen everything and he's given this young priest who's come in to work with him who's never seen anything like this who's very much kind of you know shell-shocked by everything that's going on the two of them arguing and going through situations where he's like oh let me tell you about the time the demon tried to stab a crucifix in my eye and the other guy's like turning white covered in vomit yeah those were my favorite scenes the exorcism stuff again it's like exorcist greatest hits right there yeah it's it was a lot more fun than um pray for the devil or the one that was a little earlier this year yeah, which, yeah, which, yeah and i and I, that's what's kind of driven me away from the subgenre the whole anything said in catholic church priest devils that kind of stuff just it's become a just one of those things that especially the big budget ones the, the bigger mm-hmm. the budget the more like i don't know i find them too glossy and bullshit but this one is actually fun i don't think it's great but it's like certainly the, because the there's not enough nuance to the actual possession i'd say but there's some cool twists towards the end about the yeah. that about the place itself and stuff there's a there's a cool little final uh twist in there uh you know i could see this franchising with russell Crowe. like yeah you could see him in more of these films because he's that good in it and that's what i would watch like that was my takeaway there was one gore i'll call it a kill scene mm-hmm. in it that i actually cheered for there was one where i was like holy fucking shit it towards the end yeah. so it did have one moment where i was like oh that was cool but other than that, it was the Russell Crowe character. And I would watch him again, even if the movie was kind of like, man, I've seen it before. He made me like this movie. And this was the director of Overlord, which we both really enjoyed a couple years ago, the yeah. big World War II one. So, you know, obviously a talented uh, visual filmmaker and stuff. So Pope's Exorcist, you know, it's fun. Like, you know. It's fun. Don't go it on with big fun. expectations. It's, you know. No, it's not going to be the most like, you know, groundbreaking, brand new exorcist. Holy shit, I've never seen it presented like this. Nope. You know exactly what's going on. You know where it's headed. But Russell Crowe was really fun at it. I saw another newish one that you saw a while ago, and I'm not going to give it too much effort because I just didn't. It wasn't for me. But the new Children of the Corn uh, mm-hmm. is directed by Kurt Wimmer who did a lot of big sci-fi kind of stuff like Equilibrium. And I'm not actually, what's interesting is out of all the franchises, Children of the Corn is not quite a blind spot because I definitely saw the first one when I was young, but I don't think I've even saw any of the sequels and I've never really cared to. Like I've never been interested in this world. I don't know why. And I, well, after this ended, I was kind of, me and uh, our friend Dick, we then watched the trailers to two, three, and four. Like I was like, what happened in the other? And it kind of made me want to watch two and three. There's like 16. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, there's this film uh mostly is like kid act you know kid acting stuff when kids are the main characters yeah. and the main bad in this is a young girl and there's just you know i thought she was good yeah, I, I, like whereas i just didn't you know like that's that's the thing i think your baggage with this movie will go like because it's not that she's bad right so some people are gonna dig what she's doing and i just mm-hmm. i've always struggled with evil kid movies i just i tend to not care because i'm like i could just smack you around like i'm just like see an evil kid and i just want to like push him over um and, and put them in line oh rick Perry. 101 uh, i can just smack you around send me to the children i think the failure of children corner these stupid parents who aren't working hard enough uh <laughs> anyway i didn't care for this one but uh, i will say we got there there's a couple reasons to check it out if you're like into this world is there's a stock corn stalk monster creature yeah. thing that was like okay that now you kind of got my interest at the end and, and and we both looked at each other a little the last 40 seconds of this movie so this is now everyone's going to watch us just to hear what the last 40 seconds was 
fucking awesome. And we looked at each other like, why wasn't the rest of the movie? Like, it has this crazy mm-hmm. gore moment at the end that I was like, ah, that's what I want for this. So yeah. so anyway, I mean, look, you can't win them all. But it did make me kind of curious to go and see some of those sequels that I probably never saw when I was younger. I know Children of Corn is a big franchise for some people. And I just don't know why it kind of skipped me over. It might have been the timing. Because yeah. most of King's stuff I watched, you know. So I had appreciation for this one because of two reasons. It went somewhere different than all the sequels did. A lot of the sequels, it was just kind of rehashing like Malachi's ghost is back and now he's causing the kids to do this thing again. This I felt did something different, even if part of it was not the greatest I've ever seen. I liked the ambition that it was doing something and you actually saw the monster. Children of the Corn, the entire series is kind of infamous for you never fucking see he who walks behind the rose. We're worshiping that shit, but nobody ever gets uh-huh. to see it. And this one, you actually see some stuff, which I appreciated. So. Okay. Yeah. And the last 40 seconds. And but, so it was, I um, think it's like, it's a brand new release technically, but I think it was made a couple years ago. It just didn't come out till now. So, mm-hmm. but it is a newish release. So speaking of franchises, okay. I will take us to a new one on Screambox that we had both been really curious about. And this is the Japanese remake of Cube. Oh, yes. Now, I really want to hear you talk about this one. I know. I fucking love Cube. Yeah. I think everybody knows that. Like Cube was the origin of one of my favorite subgenres of horror, which is a bunch of people in a room who are slowly being killed and can't figure out why they're in the room in the first place. And I mean, it... Cube was like my origin of that. It gets into Saw and My Little Eye and The Exam and all of these other movies that do that same thing. But I love that setup. It's like Escape Room the movie. Why are we in the fucking Escape Room? I love this shit. Cube was like the first to really wet my palate for that back in the late 90s. I want to say that was like 99, somewhere, uh, probably a little bit earlier. Um, But yeah, somewhere in the late 90s. Okay, so this just came out. Apparently, it was released in Japan last year, and it just Hmm. hit U.S. through Screenbox in April. And so I was super excited to see this. This is the remake of the first film. I actually have appreciation for part two and three of the original Cube franchise as well. There was a zero, wasn't there? That's the third. Um, There was Cube, Hypercube, which is Cube 2, and then Cube Zero is the third. Hmm. excuse me i have allergies today as well um but anyway so this is a remake of the first film it follows the same basic story it follows the same basic pacing of discoveries where it's a group of people who wake up in the cube they don't know what's going on um they quickly discover that some of the rooms are booby trapped and then the discoveries of like how the cube works why they're there things like that it travels with the same basic pace and level of discovery that it does in the original where this one really tries to push it in a different direction is the kills and the traps in the room the cold open fucking bonkers Mm. and then some of the traps and kills that it has in the room are also bonkers it changes up the characters as well in the original um the characters are almost kind of symbolic like they're named after prisons and they all represent different types of prisoners like you know one of them is the the career criminal one of them is the white collar criminal one of them is um has mental problems and is kind of the 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 person who's not exactly a criminal they just have mental problems and therefore kind of ostracized and so they all were kind of symbols for you know allegorical things for society this they are fully fleshed out characters and where this really differs from cube the original cube we never leave the cube 
And we know very little about the people going in aside from you're a career criminal, you're a white collar criminal. And that's kind of all we ever get. We don't get their backstories. This gives so much of the character that it's repeatedly flashing back to their lives outside of the cube, which is something we never got. I can't say that I liked that approach because the whole point of being in the cube is that you can't leave the cube. And when we're suddenly like, talking to this character and she goes, yeah, I didn't like my father. And then we're off on a 10 minute cutaway scene of her interactions with her father when she was a kid. I.e. squid game. It's the squid game structure, right? You meet a character (laughs) on the game and then you get to know their backstory. And it's it's a relief that you shouldn't have relief from a- In this, yeah. So that was there. And it definitely, the characters were way more fleshed out in that capacity, but I don't know if I liked that. Mm-hmm. So there was that, the kills were way crazier. There was a lot of, cra- or not way crazier. They were just different. They really mixed them up and tried to do something different. Where this one, um, even though that it souped up the characters, it also kind of cut away from a lot of the discussions about why they're there. And in the original Cube, that was part of it. And I don't even think they ever really answered those questions. It was just like, oh, well, the government put us here. No, it's definitely aliens. No, we did this to ourselves. No, this is all a dream. And they all had these kind of different theories. That's not even present. They have a two-second conversation about why they're there. And then they kind of drop it. And it just all focuses on trying to get out. So it's kind of a different vehicle that's pushing it forward. That said... They did do some interesting stuff. There's some definitely some different twists at the end. So even though that the first, I'd say the first act is going to feel very much like the standard cube that you've seen before, it does get a little bit different at the end. Hmm. I will say um, it's not better than the original, in my opinion. The original is still pretty damn perfect considering what it is. I'll call this a cube completionist. I will watch anything in the cube franchise. I will watch any sequels they turn out. And so this was a pleasant surprise for me just to see. I get a little bit more of something that I hadn't had in a really long time. Well, then we'll get ready for cube trash humpers. So when that franchise, <laughs> when the two franchises meet, you've already signed up. You're like, I'm in. Trash humpers. The cube trash there. humpers. They're, the cube trash. The two dudes with the old masks just humping away. I had forgotten about <laughs> trash humpers. I'll I still haven't watched the whole movie. I have to do it. It's a movie I've always, I'm always like, I should one day watch the whole thing. It's the kind of movie that you feel like the trailer gave you everything you needed. I don't know if I needed more trash humpers, but, but you know what? Trash humpers. <laughs> I would watch. I would watch. There's no trash cans for them to hump, but they will. They'll do their best. And oh, and I will say Japanese cube. If you want to see this for some reason, and this might just be my system, but I'm going to give you the the warning just in case. If you pull up Screenbox on the web, it's there on Screenbox for free. But when I use Screenbox because I have it both places, when I tried to use it on my Screenbox subscription through Amazon, it made me pay for it. Hmm. So Go to your web browser to watch it. So I don't know why it that is. made you pay in addition to what you're, or maybe you're not a member. Maybe you weren't no, logged in. No, I'm, I'm a member of Screenbox through Amazon and oh. I have a web subscription because it depends where I'm watching stuff. For some reason, it did not, it would not show up as part of Screenbox on Amazon, but it is on Screenbox when I watch it on my web. 
So, and I tried it on two different televisions because I was like, what am I doing wrong? And it was like that on both. So um, just in case you go to Amazon and you're like, she said it was free on Screenbox, go to your web browser. It seems to be there. And if Screenbox writes us the answer, we'll retweet it for them because there might be, there I know, might be a We solve. will retweet it. This might be something <laughs> stupid happens. that I didn't realize, but yeah, just a word of warning. Um, I watched a couple of real lo-fi indie ones. I, I wanted to, so the movie that I'm most happy to have been able to like recommend to people so far this year is this movie called All Eyes that I talked about a couple weeks ago and I keep thinking about it and it really is becoming one of my favorites of the year in in the in the vein that you feel about a movie like The Battery it feels good to get it out there because it's a smaller film but the so that's by um Todd Greenlee directed it and one of his brothers uh either wrote or produced it with him uh before that movie I was curious like what did these guys make right before and they made a movie just two years ago in 2019 that was on Amazon called Home with a View of the Monster and that's a damn good, a good title. Long title um and this movie is really in the like you would 100 percent agree like it's not as successful as they did but it feels like a benson moorhead indie approach because it's you've got mixed up timelines you got mashes of genre but it's always about the emotional realism kind of stuff and uh big ideas uh i would say it's a little too much is going on like i think probably they learned from this one which is a you know well made um but as a story there's almost too many variables happening and by the time they do all eyes it's like oh it's streamlined with some really fun uh switcheroos in the middle of it that we'll get to later well played, uh, well played. but but so in this one it's a, a young couple uh, own a house but they're living in their truck and it's because they've decided to start airbnb their house you don't know why and you're like well, this is a strange way to open a movie because they're just not in their house talking about their house and they kind of get frustrated and they decide to go back to the house early and they tell the person to leave on the phone uh and they get there and their suitcase is there and the people are clearly still there their bathroom is locked and you don't really know what's going on, but they also seem a little disconcerted by the house itself. They don't seem completely comfortable there. Um, and then the timeline starts to get mashed up where you start to meet characters and it goes into their timeline because they walk outside and then they look back up at their house and there's a guy with an axe going into the house. And they're like, who the fuck is that guy going into our house with an axe? Who's then trying to hack Jack Nicholson his way into the bathroom that's locked. And you realize these are the these are the people who are staying in their house. Uh, so you think it's like a, about a psycho couple or something for a few minutes. And then it flashes back to their storyline, like how they came to rent this house. Uh, and it's a girl meeting a guy for the, you know, the, he's the star of their next movie. Um She's meeting them for a date, but he's actually been contracted by her grandmother to kill her, like to poison her. Yeah, it's very random. They're meeting on a blind date, but he's actually you see why he's there. And it's actually because he's gotten to know her online, but with this purpose to to offer. And she doesn't know that, but she's like a fucking hot mess. Like she's an alcoholic. She's a drug addict. She's like obviously doing something to piss her grandmother off. Anyway, they're there for different reasons. She's really annoying. You kind of hate her from the get-go, so you kind of wouldn't care if she was murdered, really, when you watch this, uh, in terms of characterization. Uh, so they're the ones in the house, and and so you think that's the movie you're watching, and this is where it becomes more like a Benson Moorhead thing, and then suddenly you realize it's that's one time, that's the timeline, and he meets the, the couple whose house it is. It starts explaining, and you realize the house is also fucking crazily haunted and then weird shit's happening in the house from previous people who live there. So there's like layer upon layer. And then you, I won't, I actually don't want to go too much further because, because certain other things happen to certain characters along the way that makes it messier and messier and kind of confusing, like you, you confusing in that way where like, you'll understand the whole plot, but it's like, ah, you probably have like three too many things going on in this, but it's really well mm-hmm. shot. doesn't look like a cheap indie. It's shot really nicely. Their acting style is really good. So you can see their 
um, filmmaking approach from this movie. And then I think it just gets like very simplified and it's a little more fun in the next one. Like this one's not funny, this one, whereas uh, All Eyes has actually got a lot of humor and pathos because the characters, like the battery, there's a really funny character who they meet, this, this the older guy in the one. So I was glad I watched this because now I know these guys... Uh, and this was made by three of them, actually. Even another brother is one's a producer, one's a writer, and they, one is a director. So three brothers made this film, The Greenleys, uh, which is super cool. So that's how to uh, home with a, a view of the monster. But I wanted to back into another one, which I watched this morning, which had been on my only because it's kind of connected. I, this had been on my um, to watch list for a while. It's a brand new film this year called Landlocked, and this is in the I put this in kind of in the Skinnerink World's Fair, Any's Man. Um, the one that's out what's the one that's in the desert from outwaters outwaters especially skin and and world's fair because this is like about techno old technologies being used now by young people but this movie is called, called landlocked it's it's in the new release on amazon for the last so this is another one of the liminals it, it's kind of liminal but it's shot in normal digital when we're watching the character but here's the uh, here's the i actually it's only 75 minutes and i've got to say it's kind of like the first 20 minutes, you're like, ah, oh, it's going to be just very, like, kind of young person wandering around an empty house, nothing's going to happen kind of movie, because it really is that at the start. It really goes somewhere, and it's actually got a bit of, like, a real emotional heart to it. And here's the crazy thing. Made by three brothers. Another, wow. like, so just back to back, this is the Owens brothers. Three of them appear in this. One of them directed it, but all three of them have small roles in this, and I think the dad's in it, too. And I think you'll like them. So this is a house uh, that is about to be demolished. And they've gotten a message, a VHS message from their dad where he's like, a year from my death, this house will be demolished. And if you want any of your shit in there, you should go in and get it. So it starts with all this old kind of VHS footage. And then this this boy shows up, he crawls, comes in the house, looks around, and he finds an old VHS video camcorder, like the big old ones. And, uh, you know, he sees all these tapes and he's kind of just getting reminiscent. And this is where it's really interesting. He takes it and he goes outside and he's just wandering around and he looks through the viewfinder. And when he looks through the viewfinder, he can see the past of what, like if he's looking at the lake, he's now seeing the lake in 1988 and the kids, three kids are playing and the dad's there and it's all through VHS camcordings. And so anywhere he looks, he will see different times in the past. And when you, you know, when you set in the old days, you could set the time and date to be burned into the thing. When he changes yeah. the time and date, that's what he sees. So then he, then he goes into the room and goes 1996 and looks in it and he sees Christmas 1996 and watches himself and his brother. And it's all, here's the amazing thing. It's all real footage from the time. So it's not been shot for this movie. They have recycled all the shit from their family recordings to be the to be part of the aesthetic of the movie. There's other stuff where they had to obviously some of it's cheated, but some of it's like actually them as kids and stuff. And the dad has died. You know, that's why they've come into the house. You don't know exactly how. At some point he sees his dad's death through the thing because but not, and then he opens the thing. There's no tape in there. So it's all so it's really like and when that happened, I was like, Oh, that's a cool idea. I'll be curious to see where this goes. And it just keeps getting it's there's only a couple beats that I'd call hard. It's definitely a little bit more on the sci-fi, but realistic lo-fi movie, but it was so much more emotionally satisfying than a lot of the other ones that we've been watching lately, because it just had a, you could understand why it was, it's also about grief and it's also about like your childhood and reliving how we could just totally get lost in reliving the past. If you could watch, if at 40, you could watch every moment of your years up to 40, you might waste the next 40 years just watching the first 40 yeah. and just not even live again right it's kind of got that buzz to it um but it does have a heartbeat because suddenly at one point something not real 
comes into the frame like he's standing in the corner filming and something walks in the room and it's really like off-putting and weird and you're like oh shit so it doesn't ever go hard hard but it has a couple of these beats where i was like "Ooh, that's i'm not gonna say what it was but it was really interesting i don't know i this is another like like all eyes uh which is more fun and and funny but this would i put this up there with like oh i think people if you're interested in indie films that are trying to do something different and you like this check this one out because it's uh i thought very well done for the resources because it could have been made for you know very little because the main Mm -hmm. storyline is shot hd and stuff and looks fine but the other stuff's all vhs and it really is working because it's part of the storyline um it has moments that are like arabato you know where camera's looking at you and weird shit's oh yeah not quite that movie but but yeah i was this was i watched it this morning it had been my list for a long time it was like uh, i need one more thing for the show and i was just like oh wow this is actually really cool so paul owens directed it uh, look out for these guys again. It won't be for everyone, but if those, if you like those things, or Benson Moorhead early, the first couple of films of theirs, kind of has something of that in it. Um, it's a Dark Sky release, actually. Oh, and this is Landlocked, Landlocked right? Yeah, and I start on the Amazon like four bucks or whatever. Nice. Um, I have a whole bunch of books, but before I get to all of the reading I've been doing, I wanted to quickly say that from my one of my fave TV shows from last year is Back. And uh, it's Epics has been rebranded as MGM Plus, so it's now on MGM Plus. Uh, streamers, there's a there's a mad shuffle going on, so it's not a whole new network. Um, but this is so good; it is even scarier than the first season. I have been loving this so much, oh, cool. and somehow it's giving you answers, but it's not explaining anything. Like you're getting answers without answering anything. It's so clever how the writing is doing it, and I at least wanted to mention it because I find the writing in this so clever and it's breaking my heart that, you know, with the WGA strike that we are not going to see the end to some of these shows. Like I know my other fave show evil, the production was shut down. And so instead of like waiting and giving it a proper season finale, they just ended and, and they're not even doing the last couple episodes of the season. And I'm really hoping that doesn't happen to outer range as well. Fuck just pay the writers. And so, Wait, so are I'm, you saying the writers are evil and that's the reason we're not getting the shows? Is that what no, <laughs> no, I'm saying the studios. I mean, like, this is such good writing. No, like, but, but people who are listening, watch headlines carefully because you'll see Variety puts it that way. You'll see people will do publications. They'll yeah. be like, new season of show canceled because of the writers. And yeah. you're like, well, I don't know if that's <laughs> and, exactly how this is going. But and where it gets, and I mean, granted, I full disclosure, I'm WGA. So, I mean, I'm out on the picket lines with them right now. But that said, like, you know, these these shows that are going to streamers, the residual systems on the back end of these are so fucked. And they're so good. Like, I'm just, I'm sad that, you know, some of these shows are going to get cut short. And then I'm watching ones like this going, oh, my God, these are so good. Like, I, I don't want to see this go away over, you know people refusing to pay the writers what they deserve so anyway that was my soapbox for a sec I, just to say from's back and it's really fucking yeah, good go watch I it i do want to see that one too but now i'm a little worried like i hate when i know i'm not going to get resolution uh, yellow jackets oh, as well i checked uh-huh. from they completed the season Oh, okay no then i'll finish so from yeah. is complete evil is not they ended early and i've been googling trying to find out what the status is of outer range so yeah i know um, they started but- filming more of it because i saw a photo of josh yeah, um, thingy. But uh, Yellow Jackets, I'm mostly caught up now, and it's really fun. It's not as spooky as the first season, uh, but it's got some really fun stuff, and the characters are all kind of coming together finally. But again, we won't know what the next season holds. Uh, the other show that I finished 
is Dead Ringers because that's only six episodes and that's the whole storyline. Oh, yeah. And that one didn't really go horror until the last episode. In the final episode, mm-hmm. you really have to watch the last one for the whole thing to work for me, at least. Like, I liked it the whole way, but I didn't love it. And when the final episode was there, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm pretty, this is pretty badass. It's pretty good. It's not better than the movie. Yeah. The people who think it's better than the movie are crazy to me, but whatever. But it's really well made. And Rachel Weiss is amazing. But I actually had something to thank you for before you hit your uh, books. Drop Dead Gorgeous. Yes. I finally watched it. It's going to be playing at the new Biv. So I had to watch it for the How many fucking years I have I been asking you to watch Since Drop 99, Dead Gorgeous? maybe before I even knew yeah. you were 99. I'd say I like 16 year old me called you up and was like, you don't know me, but go watch Drop Dead Gorgeous. It's right really, now. really fun and dark, you know, super dark humor because everyone's being killed off. Uh, there's things I'll never forget moments. Uh, Ellen Barkin having a beer can melted permanently to her hand <laughs> is one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever seen. Alison Janney's really funny in this movie. Um, but there's a line where the guy's like, are we on cops? Are we on cops? And that made me laugh a lot. Um, anyway, it's not it's not necessary hard, but it's definitely very dark comedy. Uh, I really liked it, but it did bring it up for one reason, which I didn't watch this movie. But get this, this guy hadn't made a new feature until last week. His new, he's the director of Organ Trail, a new <gasps> horror film western. Oh my gosh! I don't I know if they're going to be, I don't know if it's going to have any humor to it, but that's the director of, I, I literally was going to go, oh, I'm going to talk about Trapped Gorgeous, and I should have tried to watch Oregon Trail. There's nothing about it that like looks that exciting to me, but I'm kind of curious. It was the only new horror film that really came out. I'm intrigued. Out. Yeah. Um, well, in college, one of my roommates and I, we like literally spoke in Drop Dead Gorgeous and Simpsons quotes. Okay, like nice. if it wasn't from Drop Dead Gorgeous yeah. or The Simpsons, like that's just our communication. Um, but yeah, I'm so glad. It's really good. It's really that. fun. It's one of those that I, I kept, there was a stretch where I was like, really want to remake drop dead gorgeous and then i realized that so much of it is not acceptable by yeah. today's standards like because it is so dark the humor is so and dark. it had a crazy and... talent like everyone in it is like a major talent like yeah people young people have all become famous and the older ones were all like legendary actors so it's like hard to replicate that nowadays because everyone was good kissed and dunce is great you know yeah it's, a, it's really fun. singing the love song to jesus while dancing oh, yeah. with a giant jesus oh, doll that, yeah, and she's crazy. like hauling the cross across yeah. like there's just so much by it that is um pretty you know sketch by today's but people standards, can but... see if you live in la it's going to play as a midnight at new bev sometime i'm not sure i can't remember when yeah. this but is that's why one of those it. it's an, i have the dvd and i will never part with it because i don't even think it's on print anymore no. like it's a hard one to find so anyway i love it um so my old 90s rewatch that i did which i will casually mention before i get into all my books and comic books for the week is um i rewatched people under the stairs oh, yeah. from 1991 because scream factory has put out a super fucking beautiful 4k and ultra hd and so I decided to rewatch this. Plus, we had just talked about it last week or two weeks ago on the show where I think I casually referred to it as the barbarian of the 90s. Uh-huh. And then I was kind of like, is it? And yes, yes, this was totally the fucking barbarian of the 90s because then I started looking at like trends. This is not any of the trends of the 90s. This is just what the fuck is going on. And the entire movie was just one giant act of what the fuck is going on because it it goes crazy places. And then there's gimp suits and now we're shooting holes in the walls and people with their tongues cut out and, you know, stealing bait, like incest, like it's got all of it in there. And it was one of those where I was like, how the fuck does this even work? And the answer is Wes Craven. Yeah. 
Like this is just, and apparently, and God, I would love to see the pilot of this. Apparently right before his um, unfortunate death, he was developing a TV show of people under the stairs for sci-fi. Hmm. And I was suddenly like, holy shit, I want to read I feel like Jordan Peele, when we talked to him way, way, way back, I believe he mentioned that he was interested in redoing this or had a take on it or something. I know it was an important film to him, but I I think he was also interested in redoing it. And I can't remember if that's ever been announced or if it's, but that would would be interesting. Obviously, he wouldn't make that movie, right? So if somebody like him Mm -hmm. had that property, he'd probably take it in a totally different direction. But in a way, us is kind of, (laughs) us kind of as people under the stairs. It's got that bonkers. (laughs) You've got people living in an underground thing, yeah. (laughs) Um, so jumping into my books, I have three things that I want to highlight. Um, so first it was free comic book day, not this Saturday, but the Saturday before. And so just quickly highlighting some of the um, major horror ones that I was impressed by from free comic book day. There was a fright night comic that came out, which was based on the fright night origins novel. And this was, it was pretty fun. It didn't give you much. It was a lot of kind of an interview with Tom Holland and it gave you an excerpt from the novel that it was coming from, but it was tantalizing enough that I will keep reading. It was very much still grounded in the original story of, you know, Jerry Dandridge and and that was all still there. So it was very much kind of a throwback, but it was doing some interesting stuff. And what I did like is it was bringing in kind of a meta approach to it where you were learning about the story from the movie and then it was flash forwarding to somebody who was writing a book about the movie as if it was real. It gets, that sounded confusing, but it's got a meta thing going on. So that um, was part of it. So Fright Night Comics, definitely check out. Uh, The next one was Ghoul Jin X. And this is from the creator of Tokyo Ghoul, which I had really dug. Superhuman monsters with weird deformities and super abilities in a small town. Two boys uh, through some type of drug are transformed into these crazy monsters called Kujins. Hmm. And they're, it's it's got kind of a black hole feel to it where they don't know what to do. They don't know whether to tell their parents they're scared to go to school because they've now got these deformities. But that was the first half. The second part of the comic was Rooster Fight. And that was what really got me excited because it was a short, like four page comic about a rooster who fights demons. And that was amazing. Like, you know, Gulgin X, cool. I'll probably keep reading, but mm. rooster fight, I was all in on. Um, there was a new Umbrella Academy, which was uh, the focus of the long awaited Sparrow Academy. So that was really cool to see a preview of. The one that I really loved was this one called Fish Flies which is by Jeff Lemire, who was the guy who did Sweet Tooth, the Mm. show that's on Netflix now. And I had dug his work Essex County before. And it's a serial killer. It's a killer, kind of an unhinged killer, but it's all the killings are all taking place in this town that is currently infested with fish flies. And I had to Google this. And apparently these are these bugs that swarm. They come out in hot summer months and they swarm and they will cover lights. They will cover entire buildings. And it's all like... Michigan, Minnesota, they sit dormant all winter. And then as soon as it gets hot, these towns will be just completely swarmed and covered with fish flies. Hmm. So it's this killing series of killings that's taking place during the swarm. That one was really interesting. And then there was also an Archie Cursed Library comic, Hmm. which was an anthology of cool stories all taking place within the Archieverse. There was one by Colin Bunn in there that was really fun. So that was all free comic book day. 
the comic or it's a graphic novel that I read that really impressed me. I read this one on the beach um, while camping on the beach last week. This is Maw. And this is, it came out from Boom Studios. The, the graphic novel collection, which was, I think, five issues, was released in 2022. So it's taken me like a year to circle to it. But absolutely amazing. This was actually recommended to me by one of our listeners on Twitter. Two sisters go on a feminist retreat. And as soon as they get to this like feminist retreat, you think that it's going like full folk horror witches because they're basically at like Camp Wicker Man if it was all women. One of the sisters is like, fuck this place and this weird feminist witchcraft bullshit. I'm not into any of this. I'm going to sneak into town and get a beer. And she goes to a bar and something happens to her at the bar that night. And she loses time and she wakes up and she knows that something has happened. She has flashes what happened the night before, but she does not remember all of it. That's where I'll stop. She then gets taken back to the feminist retreat and it goes from there. But what I loved about this, it is a beautiful mix of feminist media, aquatic horror, and folk horror all blended together. This was just a wonderful story and it gets so aquatic hard because the feminist retreat, the like folksy feminist retreat, it's on the ocean. It feels like it's an island like Wicker Man. And so the the ocean immediately becomes a huge part of what's going on. So aquatic horror, feminist horror, and folk horror all kind of intertwined into one beautiful story. This was a fun read, especially sitting on the beach. And then the big one that I absolutely loved that I read this week was just a fun breath of air book that really inspired me to read even more books was 101 books to read before you are murdered Hmm. by Sadie Hartman. This is brand new from page street publishing coming out in August. So it's not available yet, but you can pre-order it on Amazon and it is exactly what it says. It is 101 horror books. It's like a countdown of 101 amazing horror books. Most of them have come out within the last 10 years. Hell of a good list. So many crazy deep cuts in this books I'd never heard of. A lot of indie self-published stuff Hmm. that a lot of times slips under my radar that suddenly I was like, holy shit, that does sound good. A lot of crazy stuff I've never heard of. I added like 30 books to my read list. This, I just had a blast. I burned through this thing in probably three days and I just wanted to keep reading. So it was just a beautifully drawn out, well-written listicle of all of these amazing horror books. And it was accented with interviews and discussions like from Haley Piper and um, Grady Hendrix and just like all of these little Stephen Graham Jones, just amazing writers included. Either there's little exposés on them or they're part of it and wrote chapters for it. So this was 101 books to read before you are murdered coming in August, but you can pre-order it now. That's a great title. I like that. And I, yeah. where do you keep your, like, we always use letterbox for movies. Where do you keep your book lists? Amazon. Oh, okay. Well, I will say my, where I keep track of what I've read, like my letterboxed is Goodreads. Hmm. I use Goodreads to anytime I read a book, I log it there. And there, I found a lot of our listeners through there. A lot of hmm. them will message me with recommendations and stuff like that. Is that an app? But, Cause I've been on the site, yeah. website, but I've never mm-hmm. apped it. Okay. I should get that app. Yeah. I'm gonna... yeah. It's really good. And it gives you recommendations. That's the nice thing is when you log a book, it then says you may also like, and it gives you a whole bunch of recommendations. So that's where I keep track of what I'm reading. My actual, what I want to read, I put on Amazon so I can track used prices. Cause a lot of the stuff, it'll be like, 
it's 27. Like the one that we were looking at a couple of days ago that you and I want to read. Yeah. I won't say what it is. So I'll wait till we can read it. But, you know, it's hard to find. There's not a lot of copies left in the world. It was 80 one day and then somebody suddenly dips down to 26. So I do it on Amazon so I can track the prices and see what I want to pick up then. I didn't just read it, but I do want to, while we're talking about books, recommend people check out The Shards by Brady Snells. I, I talked about it back when it was his- you, I his, heard that's becoming a movie. Yeah, I'm sure it will become, no, I think it'll probably be like a series. It would be, okay. it'd probably be like HBO series because, um, but the way he did it in verbal installments on his podcast in like 30 minute chunks for like 28, 30 hours or whatever, uh, it was just the best, most exciting story I think I've ever heard told that way. But I've heard he's edited it down and I, I hear all really great things that the novel version is like the best thing he's done for- ages but it's really really interesting so i just i remember seeing the cover a couple of days ago so i thought i should remind people that's a really good read um, okay this is i knew i'd read about it within the last couple of weeks just from april 18th it was announced on deadline that it is becoming a drama series for hbo yeah because that makes sense because you need time yeah. with the characters because it is about like the, all the weird subtle it, a lot of it's about sexuality and like just like you know because it's brad easton ellis when he's young so he's like pretending to be straight back then even though he's knows he's not by then and but but under the surface there's also a new kid in town and there might be these serial killings happening and all of the stuff gets conflated and very very evocative um highly recommend that one uh cool well uh when we come back we're gonna switcheroo this up and do a topic uh we're really gonna just be glazing over a, a, a topic that could go on for hours but we'll touch on a little bit of fun switcheroo-ness Tonight's episode of Colors of the Dark is also brought to you by Welcome Villain and their new film, Malum. Experience the ritual at home as the acclaimed horror film Malum is now available on digital. From the twisted mind of Anthony de Blasi and from Welcome Villain Films comes a bold new expanded reimagining of the 2014 horror cult classic Last Shift. On a search to uncover the mysterious circumstances surrounding her father's death, a newly appointed police officer is assigned to the last shift in a decommissioned police station, where a notoriously vicious cult saw their demise years prior. Malum takes the premise of the 2014 festival hit and flips it on its head with top-notch practical effects and SFX makeup from the team of Russell FX. A knockout lead performance from the star Jessica Sula and a thundering score from composer Samuel Laflame. Malum is now on digital wherever you rent movies and you can also purchase it online. Buckle up for a horrifying thrill ride and be sure to share your thoughts online using the hashtag FeedTheDemon. All right. So a few weeks ago, uh, we talked about uh, film switcheroos. We were actually talking about the new indie film, The Price We Pay, uh, which basically leads you to believe you're watching a heist film. And then uh, as things happen, suddenly you're in the throes of a crazy horror film. And, you know, obviously this is this can be taken many ways. The main the main example of this that we've all been using for the last decade or so has been from Dust to Dawn. And in my case, I actually didn't know what movie like that somehow in the marketing maybe didn't make it to where I was living. And I had no clue this was going to become this crime film with the Gecko Brothers was suddenly going to become a vampire film. So the idea for this was not just for the most part, it's not the last second twist ending mm -hmm. that changes things like success no. and uh, Angel Heart are the like the old timer shock twist endings that do change the movie. But yeah. we're talking about earlier than that, where the whole film, you think you're watching one kind of film and then suddenly the floor underneath you is turned and you've been switcherooed. 
Yeah. The example that I gave that it can't be is Elric and I just had lunch yesterday yeah. and I was talking about being a kid and watching my parents watch St. Elsewhere. And I think yeah. the, the time has run out on St. Elsewhere. I'm going to blow the twist ending where you've watched like multiple seasons of this drama where weird like Twin Peaks-ish shit is happening. Like it was definitely like a predecessor to that where it's like a drama, but there's this weird stuff happening too. And it seems kind of incongruent. And then at the end, the whole thing pulls back on the town and it's a kid looking into a snow globe. And you realize that the entire thing is like the dream of a child looking into a snow globe. And I remember my mom screaming at the television, just what the fuck? It was like she had invested years with this TV show and only to be told it wasn't real. It was all in the mind of a child staring at a snow globe. And that's the answer to everything. Yeah, and she, that. that that's not a switcheroo. That's just a bad twist at the end. Yeah, and and some are great twists, and and some of these we will have strayed, and some some are happening earlier than others, and this is just a rough list. But I will say, there's been massive success recently with you know Barbarian did a perfect job, in a lot of ways probably tracing a bit of what Red Eyes marketing mm-hmm. was. Red Eye yeah. marketing was. Um, you really thought you're seeing this like romantic thriller. Oh, he's it's going to be a bad date, and he's going to go evil, and suddenly it goes to another level when you go downstairs. Now. Before yep. we even get into this topic, this topic will have spoilers. They will fly around. We will do our best with the newer films, but there's no way to have this conversation. So rather than curse us out online, uh, just know that now. Don't listen or do listen and enjoy because you've seen most of these movies. If you hear one yeah. we, you haven't, maybe skip forward a minute. But there's no way to talk about this topic because it's literally going to have some sort of twist. And I will... None of these have come out within the last two years either. No, and we're going to um, end. We'll list a all... bunch that we can list yeah. a bunch, but we're not going to go into the more new ones. Uh, yeah. But the but the outside of Barbarian, you know, I did just talk about that one, uh, All Eyes, which has a little bit of that. But uh, Orphan First Kill this year, you know, or you think you're watching one mm-hmm. version, and really, right in the middle, it took a turn, and I won't say what because that's a more recent film, but it made that film I so much more fun. That one. You know. It hinged on one line. That's yeah. the type of one that I love where yeah. suddenly one character will say one line and you're like, wait, what? And then the whole thing shifts. But if there's a goat like movie like that to bring up up top, it really is Psycho because Psycho wasn't just a yeah. twist. It's a different movie from there. Like mm-hmm. you are watching a woman on the run crime film and it's directed by Hitchcock. So you could totally think that's what the movie is. And then she's massacred in a shower and you don't know what to do. The audience literally yeah. did not know what to do after that and who to watch. And now you're with a killer as he like <laughs> navigates this. I mean, it's it's pretty wild. And then you, the sister. So that that's kind of what we're talking about. Um, what we, So what we, a couple examples, Angel Heart, Six Sense of Things, we're not talking about the last second twist for the most part. So we're just going to run down 10, uh, 10 to 1, ones that we thought you were You kick good. off. With the collector, yeah, because I haven't seen it recently, but I have no, seen that, number nine. I've done tons of research on all of these. Uh, no, I've done research to all the titles, and then there's some like collector where it's like I have only seen it once and thing, but it, it's yeah. fine. The reason I put it in there is it was in the marketing, right? So really mm-hmm. clever, just concept. Like I really like the idea of the first one. It was a career uh, break-in criminal, right, who can steal anything, and the yeah. one house he happens to break into happens to coincide with this big bad who is literally collecting victims, uh, serial killer, and now these two c- characters will be on a collision course. It Again, you could be watching just a film about a career criminal, but the way they built it up as intrinsic, in this case, it was more in the marketing, you know, which is rare. Usually these are movies like you don't know it's going to take the twist. Yeah. I think with this one, they were actually saying, oh no, you guys understand this stuff now. Obviously, Malignant is a big, big 
kind of member of this family. Very uh, much. You know, so which where we, it... we won't tell you exactly because that is more recent, but it's that kind of structure. But Collector was really fun. The, the second one, you it, that can't work again because now, now you've become the world of that film. So I don't remember yeah. the Collector that well either, but I do think it deserved to be mentioned because it did a very good job of just like marketing that that shift. Uh, but the, but you're right. Number nine is a little more interesting. I watched it again last yeah. night and we we're, we we're talking about it. Yeah, I revisited this one as well. I didn't get to finish the whole thing, but I started it last night. And this is Identity. And I was so excited about this movie when it came out. And I remember absolutely loving it, where it is a group of people, a really bad storm. They have all arrived at this hotel simultaneously looking for a place to stay for the night. The hotel is closed down. None of them can get phone lines out but for some reason all the doors are unlocked so they can get in they can meander around the hotel and then somebody starts killing them off and they can't figure out who it is who any of these other people are they can't leave they're just finding bodies all over the place some of them very viciously killed and at the same time you're flashing to these very short clips of cops talking about somebody and you don't you think that it might be the killer but you don't really know what's going on Midway through, it starts to make sense. And then it becomes a completely different movie when you realize what's happening. I love this movie when it came out. I don't know if it holds up as well. I was watching it last night and knowing the twist, it was kind of like, I don't know if I can watch this again. No, it's but there was it still fun. something fun. Yeah, no. So when yeah, I started in the theater, fun. I was so pissed because I thought the first three quarters, it was like, I was loving the movie. It's John Cusack. I love John Cusack from this mm-hmm. period. Uh, Jake Busey's fun yeah, in it. Yeah, he's like psycho in it. Ray Liotta. It's yes. got all these great actors all stuck in this motel. Um, and there was a certain moment where it's like, because it's a mystery, right? And you, and the keys mm-hmm. of each one is being left with the bodies counting down from 10. So it's 10, 9, 8 for their room number. And I just had this feeling like, oh, if I walked out of this right now and I went home and wrote the rest, it would be the really great movie because like my, my brain was in it. That was the feeling I had, but I didn't. And mm-hmm. I was so disappointed by this movie at the time. So I watched it again two nights ago because I was like, but I like, because I really, it's, you know, it's a good director, James Mangold. I, I liked it a lot more as a whole the second time because I knew what it was, right? So I can still mm-hmm. enjoy the front end. Uh, I will say, we will say what it is in a second, but we'll tell you to fast forward for a second if you don't want to hear. Uh, but, or should we, or should we not? I don't know if you can really. Let's not. Yeah. Let's okay. not. Okay, but yeah. it is a pretty big, yeah, okay. I guess what, well, some of these we won't spoil because identity probably hasn't been seen by everyone. Mm-hmm. So, but it is a massive no, and it becomes it, a totally different It's a concept. good movie and it's worth yes. watching. So don't okay. say what we'll, we'll the, the mid twist I liked is. it more, but then you didn't finish it again the second time because uh there's a final twist like a little beat at the end oh i remember yeah, yeah. the final Which twist was, was pretty with silly the oranges yeah they're pretty silly but kind of fun uh, but as a whole it's still actually a really cool movie and i'm glad we could uh, rewatch it It was the only one i rewatched for this because i was like oh no that'd be fun um okay so number eight uh this movie's fucking awesomely directed danny boyle sunshine uh, and in the theaters, the first half of this movie, I remember being on the edge of my seat going, this is the greatest science fiction movie ever made. It's like 2001 and and characters are looking at the sun directly and you're like, what is, you know, this is about life and planets. And then literally at that, like around the halfway mark, or maybe it's the second act, it becomes a slasher film in space. And it's so unexpected. And and, and I can spoil that much of it because there's still lots to see, but it is, it, it is a complete turnaround and it didn't really work for me at the time but i i have a feeling the movie is probably still really fun because it's just mm-hmm. such a good setup but the first half of that movie is just so well directed uh very i mean, 
like when it's that hard a shift, you sometimes just go, oh, okay, because they come across some uh, other ship floating in space and then take on a passenger and then bad things start happening kind of story. Like I like Event Horizon, but this one was wasn't marketed as horror, but it turns horror. It looks definitely pure sci-fi. Yeah, great movie though, really fun if you haven't seen Sunshine. Yeah. Next up, we have Audition. This is one that I assume most of our listeners have seen. If not, stop right now. Go watch. This is just absolute like horror legacy. So the setup is that we are with a person that we think is doing some type of dating service. She has met this guy. She's very kind of diminutive. She's quiet. Um, He very much asserts that he is looking for a very traditional woman who will let him be the man. And so she well, his starts... friend, no, his friend is a producer and he's using, like, oh, yeah. he's using the movie apparatus. Cause the guy's not a film guy, but the, his friend uses the audition. Per- so they're definitely abusing their power as yeah. men to get to meet to the woman. find yeah. this perfect woman who amplifies what they consider to yeah. be the perfect woman. And they find her and he starts dating her. And it, and it could just be that movie. Weird. You could just keep yeah. watching that movie, but then it t- takes a massive turn to uh, incredible dark, dark. Uh, yes character pathos so we won't say more than that one because if you haven't seen it, it's still one of the greatest horror movies i think very much yeah uh the next one's one of my f- absolute favorite movies uh and it could it would have just worked as either way it, it, and what's great if you go to imdb the first description is the perfect description because it gives you the the first movie and if you go to the bottom of the page at the bottom it, it tells you the total opposite so a cop and an fbi agent race for answers after law-abiding citizens become violent criminals well that's the movie you think you're watching and very quickly you scroll to the bottom of the page and it's like intergalactic alien is like taking bodies there i was like hell yeah uh, it gets so it good so fucking well directed by jack shoulder but it's also fun but you really do you start watching this movie going oh it's a straight police thing and Tom mclaughlin comes in he seems a little weird but he's just a cop and you just get into the world of it and then as it goes it tells you more things and it really does feel like a very different movie it gets even better uh, as it goes uh but you know this is one that where it's not so much a twist and i'm not worried about ruining it because the direction of this is just such a fun movie if you haven't seen the hidden so i when i was at the picket lines at Disney, I think it was last week, I met one of our listeners who was also a writer um, for Disney. And he, he, that was what he said to me, which is why I found it hilarious. You put this on the list. It was he immediately remembered who I was and was like, oh my God, I've been listening to all your podcasts. I watched The Hidden because of <laughs> you guys. And I was like, if there's one thing that we can claim, we made somebody yeah. watch The Hidden. If you like The Hidden and so Extra, fun. there's like five or six movies that I think yeah. uh, we definitely helped bang a drum for over the years. Uh, but, you know, that one is is really good. Uh, number yeah. five is... Number five, five, I'm going to assume everybody has seen this, is Cabin in the Woods, where you realize from the start that you're watching something unusual as you're bouncing back and forth between this office and a group of kids at a cabin in the woods. You don't realize what is going on until the midway point, and that is when it becomes a completely different movie. I could have watched either of those movies, but then when they collided, it was beautiful. I enjoyed you know, the horror setup at the office and what they were doing, some type of containment unit. But then when we're also watching the group of kids with the zombie redneck torture family, I would have watched that as well. When it collided, it's a beautiful and thing. it's one of the only films there aren't many scream obviously but that can go meta and still be scary it can go meta comedy yeah. and still be actually quite creepy and freaky mm-hmm. very rare hard to do a uh, number four is probably my personal favorite on the list and definitely one of the most 
bonkers twist I've ever seen in a movie, like just watching movies all my life. I remember watching this movie, being a Larry Cohen fan, and the one of the few films I hadn't seen when I was, I don't know, 20 or whatever, was God Told Me To. Uh, and I'm watching it. what is, you know, guys are going up on uh, high areas in New York City and shooting people and then saying, God told me to. And a guy's invest, a New York cop's investigating. It feels very straight procedural in that way that feels like what the movie you're watching and then suddenly halfway through you learn there's an intergal interplanetary being that is related to the person and maybe even uh there's even interesting sexual connection between these characters and it gets crazier and crazier and by the end you're like how does this movie work because this is like a cop movie but literally like with it's not alien like hidden this is much weirder richard lynch mm-hmm. uh bizarre and yet it is so fun and just somehow comes together so it's it's definitely the most dumbfounding I'd say on the list. Uh, but Larry Cohen, he finds a way. So this is one that I consider to have been the best movie ever to bury the lead mm. of where it is going. Just because this one, I did not see that coming for the life of me. And that is Martyrs. Yeah. And it might just be because this one had not done a lot of press here. This is one that was kind of slow rolled. That most people went into Martyrs hearing about how extreme it is, but not necessarily hearing about the plot. And so when it does have this strong, sharp turn midway through, it's like, what the fuck just happened? It and wasn't- it's got like three, right? Like, because it's got the cold open yeah. with family. So- and then there's another one. And then it's like got three distinct, like, oh, shit, it's a different yeah. movie. It's a different movie. Yeah. yeah. So I'll, it starts with this. Um, we're looking at two girls. And one of them is like, I had all this stuff happen to me when I was a kid. And I remember where the family lived and I want you to come help me get revenge on them. So the two girls go and they're expecting to find this like torture chamber because she remembers all this stuff that was done to her when she was a kid. And they go in and it's like a family eating breakfast. It's so good. But they yeah. pull out shotguns and they start mowing them down. And she's like, I remember the secret door. And suddenly they find a secret door and they find another girl being held captive. And she's got like plates nailed into her head. She's more like a creature at this point because of all the bad stuff that's happened. The torture. And so they have just killed this like seemingly innocent family having a nice breakfast at a table. And they find this like shell of a person trapped in the closet that they're trying to help. And that's as far as I will go because then it gets even wilder. This one, and I think part of it is that I didn't see a trailer before it came out. I knew nothing about it except it's French and everybody was calling it the most extreme movie ever. We put this one on the cover of Fangoria that month. And that was literally my frame of reference was that image we put on the cover and then everybody being like, it's the most extreme movie ever. So every single one of those heavy twists worked on me like crazy. Well, and then the last one with that, we won't spoil what it is, but the last one becomes this heady religious faith-based intellectual thing that you would never think that's where you'd end when you watch the first half of this movie mm-hmm. so it's a very rich movie whether people hate it or love it, it, it there's no denying it's powerful and that led me to like as a side note in a way shared at number three i have to say the french extreme if you actually look at the majority of the films i think the majority of them are using this format uh yep. and it's probably a playfulness with genre because high tension obviously is one of the biggest flips ever in a movie uh character wise i won't ruin it for people but it's a massive switch of the kind of movie you're watching based on point of view and then levide which is finally available we've been talking about it for years finally available on shutter and that is like you know home invasion movie you get into the home invasion and then there's fucking crazy vampirism and we just really yeah. house of horror stuff so i think looking through that whole subgenre, there's a lot of interesting uses of this kind of uh switcher i need you to do number two because 
uh it's like a movie that we both love but i remember you you know gushing over this 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 is my favorite movie of 2019 is that what it it's our out? most recent but it's not a spoiler because it's more about fun yeah. so this is one cut of the dead yeah and i had watched this really early because i had been sent a screening link of this like before it came over to the states before it went to shutter like way way early we were doing blumhouse.com at the time and somebody had sent us a screening link while it was still just hitting asia and it we had watched it like as a staff and just were completely floored by it and i remember having those moments and it was one of those where i didn't know what i was watching and i remember watching the first half of it going why are they saying this is so good i don't know if this is good or not like it's just a pov zombie film and they don't even look that good it opens and you think you're watching two kids who have kind of snuck into a warehouse to make out some type of it's like a water treatment facility i think and then you're watching what you think is kind of a found footage POV zombie film of them. And then it transitions and then it gets really smart. And so it it has this shift to it, but it, it works. It works beautifully. Yeah. Because and that so, one's new, I guess it makes yeah. sense not to totally. Re- the thing is yeah. though, this is a film about heart and not horror. Mm-hmm. So it starts as just yeah. straight horror. And by the end, I can't remember the last time I was fist pumping, like watching a movie. I saw this probably similar way. Cause I started on a plane where it got the movie earlier because it was an Asian airline. And so it was brand new on this plane. So I think I can't remember if I started for you guys, but it was definitely early as well. Like it hadn't come out in America yet. So I put it on and I had tears in my eyes by the end. I was like fist pumping in the air because it was so exciting. And it is just the ultimate feel good, uh, crazy movie, which you wouldn't expect from start uh, leading to our number one. And our number one uh, extends out to other movies. That's why I put it as number one. But and it is kind of more towards the end. But it's a movie that on repeat viewing is really strong because once you know the twist, unlike a lot of movies. And that is the classic, one of the greatest of all time, Wicker Man. Uh, yes. Because the entire fabric of everything you're watching is a construct, all in service of one character. But you don't know that when you first watch it because you watch it with the lead character. He comes to an island, Sergeant Howie from Scotland. He's very repressed uh fairly devout and uh definitely a virgin and he goes to this island to investigate a missing girl <laughs> definitely a virgin <laughs> edward Wuwa, Iwa Wuwa is a virgin Iwa uh, he comes there and he's investigating this and as he gets deeper into the investigation things seem off about this island and he it soon transfers very much to a cult like movie i don't really think it would be a problem to spoil it i won't it's one of the greatest movies of all time definitely one of my favorite movies of all time um but i put it as number one because i've also seen uh, what a massive influence recently it has had on up and coming filmmakers. Midsummer is, you know, the twist of Midsummer is directly from Wicker Direct. Man. Ki- exactly. Killist is direct. Uh, Killist is a, a brilliant ver- version of what mm-hmm. we're talking about because Killist is a guy who's killing these people on a list and, you know, it's very much a gangster film. And then it hard switches. And one of the most yeah. exciting, like, last 20 minutes uh, when you realize you're actually in, like, kind of a, a film like wicker man is effectively a folk horror type thing um but again they're all coming back to this great movie wicker man uh fantastic movies hopefully we didn't spoil too many of those uh but they all have this great quality switcher we're gonna let's just run through the names of these but we won't go into yeah. because they're all new and ones you should check out and some of them There's, you'll know straight away why we're putting it on 
One that I wanted to mention, yeah. and granted, I don't live there, so I don't know the backstory. This filmmaker has had some questionable allegations mm. against him, but Science Sano's tag is mm. another one of those where it reinvents itself every couple of minutes for this one. Like the cold open for tag is fucking amazing. Oh, yeah, I did watch crazy. that in the end because you yeah, you were telling us about that. Yeah, I think he does, has quite quite a few of those kind of shifts. In oh, world. really? Then fuck that guy. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, no, I don't know about his, like, I don't know about the negative <laughs> stuff. I, I've heard of it recently. I don't know how bad it all is because I haven't followed up on it. But. It hasn't made its way over here. So I just heard that there was there was something and then I was like, oh, shit. I, I actually enjoyed his films, but fuck that guy. But yeah, Tag has had a great cold open. Uh, we'll just go. We'll go through tons of these for you guys. Uh, again, if anyone's making lists, if you're looking for new ones, uh, we'll, I'll, we'll go one and one. 10 Cloverfield Lane. Big, big switcheroo. Don't breathe. Kind of has the same one as Livid, yeah. but still it's a blast uh, i put this as a double feature because they have the same twist the boy and housebound very different movies very similar twist it all goes bad ronald yeah. it all goes back to bad ronald come to daddy i'm so glad you included i love that i love one. come to daddy it really makes me laugh and it's really clever how it does. Uh, one that you really liked a lot i remember the perfection which had a very perverse switcheroo where you really I... aren't expecting it I love this and loved it. My mom called me while watching this. Like literally she got midway through and then she called me and was like, what did you have me watch? I thought yeah. it was just brilliant because of that. Uh, uh, you're going to ready or not where we think we're watching one movie and then brilliantly midway through, we realize it's got this whole nother. Level. And at the very end, there's also an even weirder level to what the twist was that made i'm still wondering about all these years later like that was really weird ending like uh but it's really fun up up until then you're either on or not uh malignant we just discussed because that's a Mm -hmm. massive switcheroo like i don't think many of us saw anything coming in that film hard candy oh yeah this is not an easy movie to watch no matter what but i hear so many people in hollywood reference this like it had such a strong yeah. impact of people who were coming up in the mid nineties, early two thousands. There were so many of us that watched this that took something from it and how hard it hit. And it's pre me too, but it's really mm-hmm. the exact condensed message in a hard hitting, like at movie, you know? So yeah, a lot earlier. Um, okay. Uh, red eye. We talked about that one too, where the ad campaign for this trailer was just perfection for thinking it's going to, again, Wes Craven, uh, the actual film, the second half's, fun it's not as good as the first half the first half's thriller second half's like more like crazy political action kind of but it's still Wes Craven a lot of fun Bone Tomahawk this is one that I saw at a festival and I just remember jaw drop yeah yeah uh, yeah once this goes horror it's like oh shit because you're not expecting it in a western uh Overlord we talked about before too again you're watching World War II film you think it's that kind of thing and it gets crazier and crazier the deeper we go into the horror you're next. I love this one. I asked a trivia question about this last show where you weren't at trivia last no, month, but I made everybody name the three animal masks. Oh, is it um, sheep, a sheep, a, um, oh shit. It's like a tiger or something. Mm-hmm. A and sheep, a, a tiger. And a um, sheep, a tiger. I can see the other one and I don't know why it's not coming out of my brain. What is it? A fox. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. Which was confusing because I thought it was a wolf. but it, it was gray it, or white, wasn't it? Depending on which website you look at. Some uh. say a fox, some say a wolf. So I had to give like a waiver where I was like, okay. I will accept both wolf and fox. Lucky I missed that round of trivia. Otherwise I would have screwed it up. <laughs> 
Uh, okay, Melancholia is still a movie I think is just remarkable. The the first half still my favorite. It's about depression and a and a marriage, uh, like a a brand new married couple, and and Kristen uh, Dunst is just super depressed. And it's just a f- really interesting. And then halfway through, they realize the end of the world's coming. And what's so interesting about the movie is when you're super depressed, the end of the world suddenly doesn't seem so bad. So all the other characters are suddenly the ones struggling, and she's actually kind of at peace. It's it's such an interesting movie. The guest where you think that you are watching kind of an uncomfortable, I'll say almost a little stalkery. Yeah, like a uh, lifetime thriller vibe. Lifetime thriller. And then midway through, it goes full sci-fi. Yeah, it's awesome. And you just don't see it It's coming. one of the best. It is one of the most fun mm-hmm. movies. Uh, Death Proof is a really, like, uh, one of the mo- more underrated, obviously, of Quentin stuff. Because it's just the first half is very talky, very much about these characters. And then second half goes, you know, hard revenge film. And it's super fun. You're going to have to take the next oh. one because I remember this one, but I don't remember what the crazy yeah, twist I, is. Yeah, it'd be hard to... Well, okay, so this is uh, this is the, uh, the World's End, which is the third of the Cornetto trilogy. Mm-hmm. And this one starts with a bunch of... Literally the first... I mean... Now I remember Yes, I don't... I don't... Okay. I, 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 oh, man, I, I did not see it coming. I just don't. thought it was a bunch of guys drinking a bar. And then at one point he goes into a urinal and sees something. Uh, I won't spoil it, but it is a massive twist. And you would not under- think that that's going to happen. And it has a sci-fi edge, I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. But it's but it's truly, truly not what you expect in the movie like that. And our final crazy switcheroo movie is Black Coat's Daughter, yeah. where you think that you are watching a story of a couple of girls who have been left at a boarding school over the Christmas holiday. They're waiting for their parents to come. No one has come to get them. And you it feels like it's going to be a slasher film. It might be a ghost film. You don't really know where it's going to go. And then it gets crazy. The, tw- and the then, turn is a, it's like a time cut. It's got, it went, it's yeah. got a couple of turns, but they, and the you turns really feel are it. amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it really holds up because of I think the structure and some some of these are about structure. Did you have a deep cut you wanted to recommend or not? No, I recommended it up at the top okay. with tag. But I'll yeah, do one. Don't watch. Yeah, uh, don't watch that one. I just googled that guy. Don't watch. Well, that he one. has great. There's great movies you can. <laughs> I know. Separate the art from so the artist. Hard. Sometimes yeah, I have problems doing that, but yes. <laughs> Uh, Running Scared is the one I would want to tell people about because this is one that somehow just kind of got lost in the, it's not that old. It's probably a a decade ago. Mm -hmm. This is Wayne Kramer who made The Cooler. This is a film starring Paul Walker. So the guy would go on to do the Fast and Furious movies just right before all that. And it is a crime drug movie. Uh, I think somebody gets shot with a gun and a crime lord and they task him with finding the gun. And as he finds the gun, some kid in the neighborhood steals it and ends up shooting a parent. And as he goes in there, it's like pure crime Tarantino vibe up until this part and goes in there and it becomes dark fantasy, almost like big bad wolf, like a kid's horror fantasy. And it's anyone I know who's seen this movie has always said the same thing. They go, you would think it's going to be this kind of very vanilla A to B movie. And you walk out going, holy shit. How does everyone not know about this movie? It's like pure cult movie, like through and through, but it didn't do well at all because it was probably confusing to people um vera Farmiga's in there highest rec if you're looking for something just totally surprising because when it goes there it's really really like a surprise because it's dark surreal fantasy kind of thing starts at um so anyway i just thought that'd be good to mention i will also say man bites dog Mm. this is not one that i recommend to people because it is so fucking extreme like this is this is some hardcore shit. Like I will not watch this again, but that is one where, where it went, I was not expecting. And it floored me. Yeah. This is like 
Henry of a serial killer times 1200. But black comedy. So you're also laughing at it. Laughing. Even though it's, it's more crazy. It's it's uncomfortable in that capacity. But that said, hell of a twist. Yeah. So these are, uh, I know some of these will be like twists and some are switchers, but the idea of it is thing that really just shifts the entire kind of movie you're watching. Mm-hmm. And you realize how many great movies have used that. And I think it really works for her. I think Barbarian showed us that it's not just about being bonkers. It's that it's such a nice, fresh way to reset in the middle of a movie, as long as it's organic. So hopefully yeah. you guys enjoyed some of those. Uh, I'm sure you've yeah. seen most of them if you're listening to this, but you never know. Yeah. So we will be back in two weeks with another show. I don't, do we have that one planned out? We got, may have I think a we've got, already. yeah, we've got a couple we got a couple guests flying, in the fighting it out. Yeah. And we've also got one more deep cuts and one more cheat sheet. I will say we just popped a cheat sheet up on our Patreon today of our top 25 Euro trash films. Oh, yeah. That'd be fun. So, and, yeah. And, it was a blast. And we forgot to mention, but we have to do it because we are, uh, you know, sometimes being runners up is not the end of the world as long as you're runners uh-uh. up. So, big thank you to everyone who voted for us in the Rondo Awards. We were runners up to a little show run by our good friend, Mick Garris. Uh, if we're going to lose to somebody, I'll lose to Mick yes. Garrett. So we are okay with that, but we want to thank you for taking the time to even vote. Yes. And, and we're honored. To Joe and, and Mick. Yeah, we were honored just to see our name pop up as the runners up. We were like, that, that's really I awesome. I think we so, have been in the, the top three for about 10 years. 10 years three now. Different shows. Uh, and all, all we pretty much every single time been in that, at least in the top few. So, hey. You know, there's worse places. To Bridesmaids be. have more fun. Yeah, Outrig, it's correct. cool. It's cool. We're also yeah. far. We, yeah. it, it allows us to be far less consistent, which is important to me. In my, the older I get, the less consistent I want to be. I like to mix it up. As- no, I, I love that. <laughs> um, and I will say the Chainsaw Awards, the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards are coming up. I'm pulling it up right now. May 21st at 9 p.m. Eastern. They will be premiering on Shutter Lies. So definitely check those out. Our parent company, Fangoria, thank you. Please check out the Chainsaw Awards Sunday, May 21st at 9 p.m. Eastern on Shutter. Hey, we might be there, Alric. Do you think we might be in it? I'd love to watch it. Yeah, we should we should watch it and see how it goes. Yeah. So anyways, thank you guys so much. If you need more of us in the meantime, you can find us over on our Patreon show, Deep Cuts, but we'll be back in two weeks with another show. Thanks so much. The Colors of the Dark podcast is a Fangoria production. Producers and co-hosts are Rebecca McKendry and Elric Kane. Executive producers are Tara Ainsley and Abby Gould. Associate producer is Jessica Soth of Amir. Sonic branding by Michael Rodriguez. And, of course, our amazing sound engineer, Ernie Hurtado. Hurtado.